This is a Defocus Media production. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 2020 Podcast, Canada's number one optometry podcast. I am your host, Dr. Harbir Sayan. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me, guys. As always, I've been doing this for over three years, but every single time, I'm super duper grateful for everybody who's tuning in, listening, giving me feedback, giving me reviews, all of that thing. So thank you so much for doing that. And please do keep doing it. Tell your friends, let them know the conversations that we're having here. And as always, I'm trying to bring on guests that are going to bring us value in some way or another. And today's guest is going to bring us value in so many ways. I'm so excited. This is a person I've been wanting to have on for so long. And finally, 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 I have the one and only Dr. Carly Rose here on the podcast. I'm going to give you a real quick intro before we dive in, just in case you don't know who Dr. Carly Rose is. Graduated from the Illinois College of Optometry. She did her residency in Cincinnati. She's done a fellowship. So she is a fellow of the Fellowship of the American Academy of Optometry. She owns two private practices. We're definitely going to dive into that. She is a very well-known and highly demanded speaker on ad boards, doing all the other stuff in the industry. She's actually recently started her own residency location. So people who are looking for a residency, make sure you check that out. We'll talk about that a little bit more. And she is the TikTok queen. If you didn't know this already, go follow her on TikTok. Thank you so much, Carly, for joining me here on the 2020 podcast. So, so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I can't believe we just met for the first time in person. When was that? Was that like this six summer? months ago. Yeah. She was in Chicago. I'm consistently shocked. Like, oh, I haven't met you in person. I feel like we've met somewhere along the lines, but this must be the first because COVID. But it is weird. And the, the fun thing is, like, when you do meet somebody, because it feels like you've met before, it feels like you're just seeing a friend. The first time I really had that feeling was in New York last year when I went to Vision Expo. I was running into all these amazing people that. I felt like we're friends of mine, including like Ina, who I know you know well, Jennifer Stewart, all these other lovely people. And I was just giving everyone hugs like we were best friends. And I was like, wait, this is the very first time we've ever <laughs> seen each other. In person. The first time Ina and I met was like that too, because I mean, we talk on the phone, we text, yeah. we're friends. And then we are doing an event together and it was, we were like, hi, it's, so, awesome. it's so cool. It's like a reunion. And what's been really cool is, and this was definitely the case with you, in fact, even beyond this, but for so many people, our community is really great. And the people that we tend to connect with online are good people. And when I meet them in person, they are genuinely that cool person that I met online. And for sure, you were like, the energy I got from you was like, super cool person. I was one of the things I got. I was like, this girl is cool. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you feel that way or not. That's not the adjective I used to describe myself often, but that's cool. I, and I, I want to okay. dive into that a little bit too, because first thing I want to talk about is you said you're not a fan of being in the spotlight, but woman, you are in the spotlight. Like you are doing amazing things. Not just TikTok, but like your business, your speaking, all the stuff you're doing in the industry. When I met you in Chicago, you went out of your way to come and say hi to me because I was doing a talk there in one of these weird rooms off to the side, like this big convention room off to the side. And you came all the way out to say hi. You know, we chatted for five minutes. I turned around. There was a lineup of people behind me waiting to say hi to you. It was awesome. I was like, wow, I feel like you know that person who's like cool by association? That was me. Uh, I, you were on I the just main went to like stage. chat with Carly for five minutes. I turn around, there's like a lineup of students. Oh, I inside. broke into an event I wasn't supposed to be in just to be like, hey, and now I'm leaving. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, talk about that. That is awesome. Okay. You're shy or you're not one to yeah, be. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm shy. And maybe that's by training because I also have a lot of years in the service industry, restaurant industry, bartending. Okay. So I think that I can hold conversations because that's what that world is. Right. But I don't enjoy it. That's not a motivation for me is to get an audience. The motivation for me is more Machiavellian. It's a means to an end. I know that marketing is a piece now I know more than ever, it's a humongous piece mm -hmm. to tackle the goals I have set forward for myself. And so sometimes when we have goals or dreams, steps in the process to get there may not be comfortable. And we were just talking about this comfort zone. A patient actually just recommended a book that I read called The Comfort Crisis. And I haven't read it yet, but I have a feeling I'm going to love it. <laughs> Because I've always been one to safely and intentionally keep myself outside of my comfort zone. I do that on purpose by design and 
being on stages and lecturing and social media, that is very much outside of my comfort zone, but I know it's important. And so I do it anyway. I always tell my daughter, be afraid. You're totally allowed to be afraid. Fear is a natural feeling. It's a human emotion. It guides us. It keeps us safe, but be afraid and do it anyway. Yeah. Well, that's like the definition of courage, right? Or at least like, so it's said is like, it's not that you're never afraid. It's that you're afraid, but you still keep going. So you're a courageous person as well. How do you keep yourself there in that the edge of your comfort zone or even in that on the other side of that line? What are you doing? What are you telling yourself? Was there some point earlier in your life or career where you decided this is where I'm going to be? How do I answer that? That's a loaded question. So let's start with optometry school. So I've always kept myself outside of my comfort zone day one, right? Mm. I think it's a part of who I am. High achiever, entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it. That archetype has been in my DNA since birth. I never planned on going to college. I was just going to go hard towards building a business of some mm-hmm. capacity. So that's always been in my DNA. But in optometry school, I had my goals as private practice ownership. I thought it was going to maybe take many more years than it did or be more time consuming than what my reality found. Because once I stepped into private practice, I just kept going. It didn't stop at the ownership. So that part took me by surprise. I thought almost like the end goal was ownership. And that has proven to not be the case because now we were just chatting. I have four business LLCs and like a hundred more I can think of. Mm -hmm. And so to answer your question, yes, I always knew that that was going to kind of be who I was as in a professional setting, but I did not expect it. We had some sort of catalyst and it's much bigger than I anticipated. That's amazing. I'm loving it. And now I see all of the possibilities and now it's game on. Let's go. You know, it's funny. People talk about, I don't know if you have any tattoos, but people who get tattoos, they talk about it being kind of addictive, right? You get one, you're like, you like it, you love it, you want to get another one. I feel like entrepreneurship and business ownership is similar, right? You start a business and you start to see the things you can do, or you start to get that positive feedback, the business is growing, you realize the uh, cause and effect of what you do and what it amounts to. And you realize then it starts to get kind of addictive. Like, well, if I could do it here, I want to start this other thing. We could do anything. So now it's like all bets are off. What can we not do? Nothing. It's almost like going to the cheesecake factory and their (laughs) menu is like a hundred pages long. It almost becomes a problem of too many things you could do. Right. right? And you have to be really selective. You have to be selective with your time, your associations and where you put your energy. Yeah. That becomes a whole other problem when you get to a certain level, right? So you feel like you kind of had this entrepreneurship gene from when you were born. I've kind of heard that too, is like sometimes people will say entrepreneurs are born, they're not made. Mm -hmm. But I'd like to kind of counter that thought process because I feel like I wasn't born in that way. I think I've over time just sort of developed that kind of through what I was saying where I did something I thought, well, that was cool. It worked well. Let me try more and more. Somebody who's trying to, you know, maybe just starting out, maybe they're early in their optometry journey or business journey. What would you say to them to try to encourage them to do what you've done as far as being at the edge of the comfort zone or Mm -hmm. trying things that make you a bit uncomfortable? I mean, I think we can even look outside of optometry. For example, one thing that I have wanted to do for a few years, and I saw it as a benefit to the whole leadership piece, having difficult conversations, public speaking is taking an improv class. Oh, okay, cool. And so outside of optometry benefits all aspects of my optometry life, very uncomfortable, right? Mm. You're going into a group, you're alone. You have to literally do the most ridiculous exercises in front of all of these strangers. I think little things like that are a very safe, easy way to challenge yourself. I mean, I've given lectures in front of, you know, 5,000 people live and this improv class with 12 strangers made me more nervous. Yeah, I can imagine. That's making me like feel a little uncomfortable just sitting here. But I've actually really enjoyed comedy and I've never really tried it in depth a little bit back in like high school. We had certain things that we would do. And that stuff is tough, but I've also heard that before, like improv is the way to kind of like unlock a lot of those fears that we have. Can you tell me, share a couple of stories or one at least story experience from that improv thing that you yeah. feel like really resonated with you? Yeah. So it was great because I think going into it, the instructor basically set a lot of boundaries and expectations. This is a safe space. This is a non-judgmental space. You are not allowed to judge other people. Please, the more you bring to the table of your authentic self, put yourself out there, the better the 
this is going to be. And so, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? My dad has this phrase that he said my whole life. And one of my very best friends is we just celebrated our 31st friendship anniversary. So like we've been together forever. And she even always says this phrase, but wait, you're older than 31. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. Wow. Okay. Yes. Thank you. I am older than 31. I am almost 37. So her and I were best friends from a young age. And he would always say, when we would come across a challenging situation, he would say, well, they can't eat you. They can't eat you. No matter what happens, you're going to make it out alive. You're going to be fine. And knowing the reality of I am safe, this is fine. Let's just do it. Just physically do it. That's all you have to do. I love it. So next time anybody's about to embark on an endeavor or go through some kind of crazy experience, just remember they can't eat you. They cannot eat you. Very good. You know, you said a word in there, which I think I was trying to get at earlier, which is a very, very important word. And I'm realizing more and more and more, and that is authenticity. And so that's something I think, you know, what I'm saying you're like, I got that energy. You felt like a really cool person. That's, I think what I was getting at. You felt very authentic and like comfortable mm-hmm. in your skin. So Tell me a little bit about that. How does, what does that word mean to you, authenticity? I think authenticity has become a bit of a buzzword, right? And I think it's Mm. losing some of its meaning, but if we're getting back to the meaning, it's like being true to who you are, which requires a lot of Mm self-awareness. So it's an inside job. You have to know who you are to be able to maintain that identity. And when you're in that alignment, with who you really are, you can feel it. It's tangible, right? Mm -hmm. And that's when the magic happens. And that's when the floodgates unleash because it's like having a personal mission statement. It's like having a grounding place, a place you can always come back to. And it's funny because before we got on this, our beer, we were talking about this idea of transparency and authenticity and showing the good and the bad, which is exactly why Ina and I started our little live show. And we call it transparent to really Mm -hmm. talk, like be us. This is who we are. Well, when I was, you know, Jimmy Diam and Roya, their podcast, we did their podcast last summer. And literally the whole hour we talked about, I had just gotten back from Costa Rica to do an ayahuasca retreat. Oh, no way. Okay. And so we spent basically the whole podcast talking about ayahuasca, but I'll come back to that a little bit because you can really connect with genuinely who you are, who you came to be and knowing that, feeling that, seeing that, touching that it's an inside job. You have to get really real with who you are. And there are dark sides and bad sides to that because we're humans and knowing that and loving that it helps, you know, and love other people because how you talk to yourself is just a reflection or how you look at and think about everyone else is just a reflection of you and how you view yourself. So continuing to get back to who you are, who you want to be your true identity. That's, I think the definition of what we're trying to get to with authenticity, Mm -hmm. but it's become such a buzzword. What does that mean anymore? Well, I do appreciate that it is, it is a bit of a buzzword, but I think if you can define it like that, that Mm -hmm. helps, right? Because then people aren't just throwing it around or if somebody is throwing it around, well, then you kind of ask them, well, how would you define yourself like this? Because then you know, you're being authentic to yourself. I like that personal mission statement side of things too, because it's something that you can always come back to. Like, am I making a decision that is true to me or authentic to me, to my mission Mm -hmm. statement? A little while back, not long ago, like a month or two ago, I was doing a talk to a, a small group of young entrepreneurs. It was like maybe 50 people. And it was That's not a small group. My first lecture was one person. 50 people is a good Well, lecture. you know, it's funny because in my head, I was like, it looked like it was 10 people. That's why I said small. But then I remembered it was 50 people who registered for the event. So I, I'll take back the small. It was a group of entrepreneurs, young business people in the area here. And it was me and a few other people on the panel, very different backgrounds for the speakers, right? Obviously I'm coming through the eye care space, but there was one older gentleman, I don't know, maybe like 60, 65, Mm -hmm. very, very accomplished in the real estate world. And he just was so calm in the way he was talking that everybody was just drawn in by like every every sentence he spoke. I was like, man, I want to be like this guy. And so when I did my talk, I did a little bit on the authenticity side, because it's really been something that's been important to me lately. I think having kids kind of makes that uh, kids are huge. Too. Kids are mirrors. Yeah. They just show you everything 
hundred percent. So I had a piece in there, one slide in there, because somebody in the past, like I was starting my social media journey, all this kind of stuff, getting out there four or five years ago, whenever that was. And I actually had people ask me, like, who do you think you are? Like trying to be in the public eye. You're an optometrist. Yeah, I get a and lot so, of that. Yeah, I actually had a slide that says, who do you think you are? I pointed at everybody like, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Right? Like, make sure you know. After everything was done, at the end of the night, the older gentleman came to me and he pulled me aside. He's like, you know, I really liked your talk. I think you're doing really great things. He's like, but that question you asked everybody, he's like, I think you need to ask yourself that question. I was like, I do. He's like, no, no. Look me like dead in the eyes. Like, I really want to ask yourself that question. You do. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God. I like got tingles. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. I'm going to have to go home and like journal. (laughs) Yes. But like I do, I still now because he did that, I still almost daily, I'm like getting like more and deeper. Like, who are you? What is this that you're trying to do? And like, sometimes I'm honest. I'm like, I'm doing this for the likes. Okay. This time you can do it for the likes, but like, what are you actually trying to accomplish? Yeah. And are you on that path? So that's where the authenticity thing is really key to me. And that coming to me like that really has made it stick. So if you're listening, I'm, I'm going to say, if you're watching, like ask yourself, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. And listen to what Carly's saying here. It's going to help you yeah, on that path. That's great. That reminded me of something else I did to keep It's very uncomfortable, but I sent this summer an email to like, I don't know, 15 or 20 of my closest friends and family asking like dirt on me. What do I do <laughs> that drives you crazy? This is that's an anonymous amazing. survey. What can I benefit from? Do you consider me loyal? Do you consider me trustworthy? Do you consider me lazy? Do you consider me all it like who is Carly? Like blinders off. Who do I show up as in the world? Who do I want to show up as in the world? What do I want to do with this one experience? It, it is uncomfortable. That so, is yeah. That sounds very uncomfortable in general, though. How did you feel about the responses? Did they, when you were oh, looking through? Yeah, they rock you to your core. Some, there was also a section to free type, <laughs> and I was getting paragraphs from people. So I was that like, was oh my gosh, I wasn't <laughs> expecting this. It was a lot to digest, but insanely valuable. Unbelievable. I'm so impressed with you. That's very cool because I think a vast majority of people would not do that. Mm-hmm. Even if they, we know it's super valuable and helpful, like, I would have a hard time. I've actually thought about doing that, but I get nervous because I know I'm very lucky. You know, people ask me like, how do you do all the stuff or what's been helpful or important to you? And having a very small core group of people who tell it to me how it is has been invaluable. I tell younger people, like try to develop that for yourself. But even with those people, because they tell me it's an ongoing thing, they'll just message me like, that was dumb. But like, if I ask them to now go back 20 years, the period of time we've known each other and tell me what you think, I feel like there would be a lot of difficult things. There was things a lot. To yeah. There was a lot. And that's all ego, right? That's all. We have two brains. We have the ego brain and the self brain, right? So the more we're in alignment with who we are, who we wanted to come to be, we can feel it. And that's where our emotions are good and numbing is bad because our emotions are the guidance system. It's our navigation, right? So I'm stressed. Something's off. Like investigate. It's a tool to investigate those areas. Get curious about this emotion. It's telling you something. Hmm. Well, that's all ego. The ego is there to keep us safe, but that's where we like the likes. That's also ego. So we can't Hmm. even do it for the good either because that's not the authentic self. It's weird. It's weird, but you're telling it how it is. And I like that. So I really want to get into like the business side of things here, but I I like where we're heading. And I want to ask you about the ayahuasca. So maybe I'll do that now (laughs) since that was just a recent thing that you mentioned. So how long ago was that? Tell me kind of- That was in May. A few of my family and friends have also done it. So we have like a little bit of a collective experience. I've read a lot of books on it. I've actually been researching it for about a decade. I did a retreat that had like medical staff on site in case something went wrong. And we did a health intake. There were Amazonian shamans. It was in Costa Rica. It was a week long, but we did four ceremonies and two breathwork ceremonies. I may be remembering that incorrectly, but we did four plant medicine therapies or ceremonies also like therapy, breath work, and then you go home and try to put your life back together. (laughs) Is that how it feels? Like you have to put it back together? Yeah, because it's kind of like cleaning out a junk drawer. You have to pull it all out, figure out what you're looking at, what you want to get rid of, what you want to keep, and then put it all back together. And generally speaking, you would say it was a positive experience? Mm -hmm. Massively. I'm planning on going back, but it is a lot when you're also running businesses and have kids and have other things to where you can't put your entire life on hold. But thinking in the summer again, we'll see what happens. It was super cool. 
So this is something you would encourage. I mean, I don't want to put words. No. In How would you, you explain someone to look into this? Okay. And consider it? Kind of like the improv class, right? You have to know what you're signing up for. Mm. You have to be ready to be uncomfortable. <laughs> so know what you're signing up for, be ready to be uncomfortable. And then you got to be ready. There's a phrase in the plant medicine world that you have to be called to do it. Huh, okay. You have to be called to do it. And it's basically healing for almost everyone that does it. I have yet to meet someone that did not have a healing miracle, hmm. but you have to be ready for it. Cause it's, a, it's like boot camp, right? You're going to come out in better shape. Are <laughs> you ready to walk through that? Cause it's a lot. It. Okay. Is. Good to know. Good to know. Okay. Ready for it. Let's talk about the businesses. Yes. Yes. All right. So you have I Care on the Square. How long has that been open? This will be its 10th year. My wow. sister opened it cold. I purchased it from her almost five years ago. Okay. So I Very owned cool. it for almost five years. And then I opened the second location officially. We did a soft launch last December. A second location of I Care on the Square or your clear. clear experience? Yes. So I Care on the Square, primary care, I've always loved dry eye. I brought in slowly all of these pieces of dry eye equipment to build an internal dry eye clinic. And that grew a lot. And so we were out of square footage. My primary, I Care on the Square is around 700 square feet. And then we had two exam lanes, a full optical, visual field, OCT, optos, radio frequency, lipoflow, liposcan, IPL. We just couldn't. 100 square feet? You had all of that? That's crazy. It was insane. And we were booked out really, really far because we had all these dry eye patients. We have comprehensive care. And so we couldn't expand. And so this space that I'm in right now came available and it's a half a mile down the street. So I moved all of the dry eye equipment. And then because I have IPL and radio frequency and a skincare line and cosmetics brought in a nurse practitioner and esthetician to do filler, Botox, chemical peels, facials, and then expand on radio frequency and IPL. That's amazing. Amazing. Pretty cool. Definitely the dry eye conversation has been growing a lot. It's gotten a lot of traction in the last five years or whatever. The aesthetics conversation is a little bit newer, a lot newer mm-hmm. in, in our space, but also is gaining a lot of traction because these devices are coming over from the aesthetic space to eye care and have that application. So we have IPL, we have radio frequency. We're doing that stuff as well. We've taken our second exam room and actually just turned it into a treatment room. And we're trying to kind of grow that side of the business. Now I'm asking this selfishly, but I know there's other people out there. How do I take it from like, it's okay. It's doing okay. We have an esthetician. She's reasonably busy, but I want to like max it out. What do I need to do? What worked for you? Perfect segue. Perfect I want to do the Carly Rose clear experience. We'll do a franchise. You'll open your first clear experience franchise here in Vancouver. I'll run it. What do I need to do to get to that level? Okay. So I alluded to the fact that I just launched a fourth LLC. That is a digital product is the best way we can describe it. I get requests daily on how did I go from point A to point B in five years? And that's longer than a 15 minute conversation. That's longer than an hour conversation, right? So I have started to flesh it all out and then categorize it into buckets. And then we are putting it in video format, like a masterclass style, but with downloadables and homework. Good. Okay. Okay. So let's say I tell you I did door to door marketing and with each location, this is how I did it. I called ahead. I set up appointments. I brought swag bags. I brought coffee and bagels at least one a week for like a year. Right. So like, this is exactly what I did. Well, then you say, well, how do I make a swag bag? Where do I even start? What do I put in it? So we will have, this is what I put in mine. This is where I ordered it from Vistaprint. This is how I designed it on Canva, literally step-by-step on how I did everything I did because I'm not like a genius or anything. I Google how to do things and then do it. I just (laughs) Google how to do things and then I do it. But I read about a book a week. And so taking the information from the books and it's a Venn diagram. I pull a little from here, a little from here, a little from here, a little from here. And this is the Carly Rose soup. So then I'm putting the recipe for the soup online for people to enjoy if they want to and try to recreate at home if they want to. Love it. So we're starting with a marketing bucket, basically 
how to establish yourself as the expert in your specialty and mm -hmm. tell everyone about it. The next may be like HR, staff, culture, implementation. How do you get the whole team to like really love this mission that you're creating? That could be one. There's a lot of ideas I have cooking. Well, I mean, I'd love to have you back on like five or six times to like flesh the whole thing out. We'll just start a whole series on the Carly Rose Corner. I know you do your own stuff and you're busy. Actually, that was going to be another thing. Like you talked about door to door. So you take some bagels, you take some coffee, you take a swag bag. Who are you taking that to? Great question. So we've done it for dry eye. And when we do it to dry eye, we would hit local ODs to do OD referrals, dermatologists, rheumatologists, endocrinologists, anyone that has a huge dry eye patient base that they may not even know they have a huge dry eye patient mm -hmm. base. We're about to do it for ortho -K, So we also do myopia control. So our target list, obviously other ODs. And the way I want to position this is I believe that all things can and should be mutually beneficial. It is not a zero sum game. It's not like I win, you lose. I believe all of us can and should win. So mm -hmm. always take that to it. So when I market these, say I'm marketing other optometrists, it's not really like that. It's more like dating. How can I help you? How can you help me? How are we in this relationship together? How do we build trust over the years? How do we care for this patient base together? Yeah. And so one of our first marketing events for OrthoK is hosting an in-house, we're calling it a wet lab, more hands-on. So we're inviting the ODs in the community. We'll give a small lecture on like myopia, the problem that it is, hmm. what we're doing about it, what other resources are in Cincinnati that you can utilize. So if it's not me, that's fine, but we all need to do something about myopia. Kind of that vibe. That's fantastic. That's, 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 that's really what I'm bringing. Cool. That's what I want to bring to the table versus like, hey, refer to me. It's not like so that. wet lab. You're doing that in your office. Yeah. And we're doing Procara cryopreserved amniotic membrane wet lab too. So all the ODs in the community, you want hands-on experience. How do you insert these things? Should you debride? How do you bill for it? What's the patient experience? I've never even touched one of these things, right? So this is how you open the package. You have to rinse it. So we're bringing the bio tissue team in. They're going to bring snacks and drinks and educate all of us hands-on experience. And if they, at the end of that, decide they don't actually want to place Pro Caras, but they know now the patient that could benefit from it, whereas they might not have known before, then they identify, refer, everyone wins. You know, I was just thinking that that's fantastic. So yeah, maybe there'll be, let's say you have a group of 10, maybe there'll be a couple of people who say, yeah, this is something I want to do. I call a company, I implement this in my office, but I would not imagine it's more than a couple of people in that group who are going to make that decision. The majority are going to say, I'm not doing this. It's cool. I'm not doing it. But because they've seen it hands-on now, I know from my personal experience, now I can talk to my patient, like saying, here's how it works. I've done it. I've touched it. Here's how it works. But I'm going to send you over here to do it. I would feel more comfortable having that conversation and referring that patient over. So that's yeah. a cool idea. Very, very cool idea. So you did something like that for dry eye as well, or you're saying that was just ortho okay? Yes. No, I've done about five years of dry eye stuff like that, right? So dry eye is one that I've been chugging along with for a very long time. I think I might've even started lecturing on dry eye before I had my own practice. So like I've been positioning myself in that platform from the dry eye perspective for a long time. But then I realized that's just the prototype. Hmm. And so it's plug and play. Right. So I figured out the prototype and now it can be VT, it can be ortho-K, it can be aesthetics, it can be dry eye. It's all the same wheelhouse. Sure. That's very cool. So you've developed that protocol now. Yeah, like you said, you could plug any specialty into that because you know this is how the marketing side works. This is how this side works. This is how connecting with. That's very cool. Okay, so basically this coming week, I'm going to be taking boxes of bagels and swag bags to two different ODs around the area. Love it. Uh, love it. I love it. Okay, good. What else? Could you share one other thing that's worked for you as far as like maybe connecting with the public versus connecting with ODs? Social do you media. do anything public facing specifically? Social media. Social media. Okay. Social media. That's a biggie. It's free. Anyone can do it and no one's doing it. Right. I mean, we're all doing it now, but 
It's a biggie. So that is a, a P I have a, one of the videos in this product we're filming tomorrow. So it's really close. We've been talking about this for years and we're filming it tomorrow. So it's Amazing. like happening. Did you on the list, by the way, Carly, I'll be the first. Okay. So maybe you could be one of my beta tests. Cause that's another thing. Her beer is I am not motivated by money. How do I even, I don't even know where to start on like pricing and it's crazy. So maybe you could beta test and say, I think that this gave me this much value. I need to figure out the value add. I want it to be a 10x value add because again, I want things to be win, win, win. I want it to be a 10x value add to the provider from the cost. Amazing. Does that make sense? So I want to know the value that it would add to your practice and then I can retro the price. That's amazing. Okay. I got you. So you need to know then roughly what kind of value has this added to a practice and then you can price it accordingly. Okay. I guess I should say also anyone email me if you want to be part of this launch too, because I don't know what I'm doing, but I can put you on an email list and we can figure it out together. How do people connect with you then, Carly? I was going to ask you at the end anyways, we'll do okay. it again, but mention it. Now. Okay. So obviously I'm on social media, my Instagram, and that's what we're going to talk about. So this is a beautiful segue. I have, I care on the square at the clear experience at Dr. Rose talks. And now this digital product, let me, it's, the Instagram, we've secured the handle. It, there's nothing there, but you can go follow it. It's Forward Focus Accelerator. Forward Focus Accelerator. I like it. It's an there accelerator is no, program. There is like nothing that. on it. We have nothing, <laughs> but it's coming. So those four Instagrams, obviously TikTok. And then my email is drrose at icareonthesquare.com, which is D-R-R-O-S-E. It's not Scott. Easy cool. peasy. Easy. Easy. Okay. So social media, Gary yeah. V. Do you know Gary V? Gary Vaynerchuk? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I started listening to and following Gary V in like 2018 because I bought a business. So I bought a business. I realized I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a business owner. I went to optometry school, didn't get my MBA. What the heck do I do? Right. So I started just consuming content to learn. We're always a student. And Gary V is huge in the business world. And he's like going on and on and on about TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. I don't even know what this thing is. And so I downloaded, I'm trying to figure it out. My friend of 31 years, she also mm. is a business owner. And I call her and say, Gary V says we need to do this TikTok thing. <sighs> We're mid thirties at this point. And so <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. And yeah. I downloaded, it took me like a month to figure even anything out about the app. It took me a month to post my first video. It was awkward, terrible, but it's important. And so I keep doing it. I keep showing up. It's gamifiable. This is gamifiable. We know the rules of the game. We don't create the rules of the game, but we know them so we can use them or not use them. That's amazing. And I think that's a really, there's a lot of important lessons in there. Like, I think I'll speak for myself again, but like, I know a lot of the others are a bit shy to put themselves out there or like, I don't think I'm going to create the perfect viral video. So I think I'm just going to leave it, but it's about showing up. It's about keep doing it. And then you learn, like you said, it's gamifiable. You learn what the, the rules are. You learn what sticks, what doesn't stick and you can kind of tune it. Right. What was like the first big video you did that like really went nuts? A blink exercise video. Blink exercise. Uh-huh. So why, I mean, why would you think that that would go viral? Yeah. Right. I don't know. I still to this day don't know why it went viral, but it did a blink exercise. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be, it's what do you want to tell people? What do you want people to know? It's important yeah. to blink when you're on a screen. So that's yeah. what I'll keep telling a quarter of a million people that want to listen to me about blink exercises. It's amazing. It's, you just keep finding like little things that are relevant to eye care and you never know which one's going to stick. I want to give a quick shout out to my friend, Claudine. I don't know if you know Claudine Curry from Montreal, the mm -hmm. dry eye shop. Oh yeah. I mean, I know the dry eye shop. Yeah. So she started TikTok just like, I don't know, six months ago, maybe less. I don't know what it was, but I remember talking to her. She's like, how do you do this? Like, it's kind of annoying. I did, but she stuck with it. And now she's got mm -hmm. like, you know, 20,000 followers on TikTok or something more. And her videos get lots of likes and views. And she just keeps doing like, she knows what's working. You know, yeah. nothing fancy, nothing crazy, but she's doing it. And I love it. It's so cool to see somebody who, like you said, figured out the rules a little bit and mm -hmm. made it work. So uh, another, cool to watch. another fantastic entrepreneur, hardworking person who I'll have on the podcast soon, by the way, for those who are listening. So, okay. TikTok's gamifiable. Do it. 
learn a little bit, watch some of Carly's videos, see what stuck for her. I'll be honest with you. I had like one massive viral video on TikTok and I just haven't bothered to go back and make more <laughs> like nothing else. Like I just not, not that interested in going back. Yeah. I should, I'm more of an Instagram person, but I see the value in TikTok as well. All right. I want to talk a little bit more about the real, the stuff that maybe doesn't get talked about as much as it should. One of the topics actually, I was just listening to a podcast yesterday for as optometry podcast, and they had Dr. Jazdeep Sony on. They were talking about burnout. Mm-hmm. Burnout is, is a common topic. It's a real thing. I have my personal perspective on it. Have you ever experienced burnout? What does that look like for you? Oh, for sure. For sure. And I think burnout looks like the ego mind and the self mind, right? One thing I realized I was doing a lot of was things for external validation. That's what people pleasing looks like. Mm. There was a quote I heard the other day and I wrote it down because it was so good. And it said something along the lines of healthy boundaries means that you're more uncomfortable with other people's discomfort than your own. Say that again. Healthy boundaries, not having healthy boundaries, oh, not having healthy yeah. boundaries. I missed that first part. Got it. No, I'm so sorry. And I might've said it backwards, but not having healthy boundaries means you're more uncomfortable with other people's discomfort than your own other people's perception of you than your own. And that's that ego mind, right? So that honestly comes right back to the authenticity. Mm, yep. It's an inside job. Tap, what do you really want out of life? Like look yourself in the mirror, like your gentleman said, no, ask yourself, what do you want? And I think burnout comes from not listening to what we really want. That's a fantastic insight. And actually, I think that's kind of what Jazdeep was talking about after he'd gone through it he realized like he just wasn't in alignment, right? And I think that definitely makes a lot of sense. Personally, I've experienced burnout, but I don't know if I've experienced it to like a very, like in a very definite way. But Mm -hmm. what I know is that I go through, I call it ebbs and flows. I go through these Mm -hmm. ups and downs. And what I've learned is that to just kind of lean into the downs, the ebbs, right? When I'm not like feeling super productive, I just kind of let it be. I don't mm-hmm. like force myself to do something when I really don't like, obviously there's, there's basic things that need to get done. I got to look after my family. I got to go to work. I got to see my patients. Like, I understand those things, but like social media, podcasting, all these other things I love doing. If I feel like I'm not loving it right now, I've become comfortable with like, let me just get through this period. And when I come back up, I'll be good. And in fact, I come back with even more energy than like the last peak that I just had. So that's been, I think my way of sort of working through the potential burnouts. I don't know how, do you have something that you've done that's helped you get through it? Yeah, a few things, but I do a lot of New Year's resolutions, words of the year, all of that. And my word for this year is inspired. And I think it kind of goes with all of this because it's the inspired action, the inspired thought, doing what you're inspired to do, not what you have to do. And I may be inspired to clean my closet out and not questioning that. Go through it. Go through the motions of like what you think. It's yourself trying to talk to yourself is what I think inspiration is. And so listening to that is like listening to yourself and whether it's having a chill day, not doing social media, there is things are always opportunities or successes in my mind. There are no bads anymore. And so the opportunity may be to rest and digest and relax. And then, like you said, you come back better, but that's an opportunity to come back better. I think listening to the voice in your head, that inspired thought, the inspired action helps a lot because that is authenticity. Very good. Excellent. That is definitely a very great insight for people to take away from this conversation. What are some other tools? You want tools, tools. I meditate a lot because I have found that typical distractions and numbing just no longer work. Like I can't just binge watch TV anymore. It doesn't work for me. I wish it did. There are some days I wish I could just like have a glass of wine and chill out. Doesn't work for me anymore. I have to actually, actually chill out. And that might be walks outside any outdoor time. Any outdoor time helps me meditating, journaling, silence, all of those things, which it's hard to find silence when you have a family, you have multiple businesses, you have dozens of team members, you have attorneys and bookkeepers and CPAs. It's hard to find silence, but I prioritize it in my time management. That's amazing that you have that ability to kind of, I think it's out of necessity, right? But it's, you, a, it's necessary mm-hmm. or aware that you need that. And you, you implement that, you put it in there. I should also add that I've only learned that by not listening. I've only learned that by not doing it yeah. and letting the water in the pot get too hot. And I'm like, Oh, can't do that again. 
Yeah, I think experience often is the best way to learn. Unfortunately, the hard way, but the best way to learn a lesson as well. Hopefully some people can listen to this and take the insights away so they don't have to get to that level, right? They can start implementing these things. I hope if you're listening, you're writing some of this down. If you missed it, go back and listen again, right? So Carly is at like this. Oh, yoga. Right now. Tons of yoga. Well, working out, I have to prioritize physical body. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's absolutely. It, well, if you're not you physically in a good place, then mentally you can't be either. Intermittent fasting, I do that a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because I mean, brain, okay, like? so if I eat junk and then try to work, my brain doesn't work. Hmm. I can't. Do you do that? Like, is that your daily routine where you have like time restricted fasting, or do you do like you take two, three days, you don't eat anything for like you do a proper fast for a couple of days? What is that? I usually do 16, 18, 20 hour fasts almost every day, but I listen to my body. Like it all comes back to just listening to what we want. So once you flush out your patterns, right? So it's hard in the beginning because your insulin's spiking when it's used to spiking. And so once you retrain your hormones and your biochemistry to calm back down, it's not hard at all. You just listen to when you're hungry. And it sounds really, really basic, but it's really, really not. And I heard someone say the other day that if you can control the human desires, like hunger, if you can push through that and realize I'm not going to die, this is really just ultimately my ego brain trying to keep me alive, Mm. then it releases yourself's true power. You're like, oh, no, this guy's in control of this guy. It's not the other way around. I think that's the true magic, getting behind these urges. Yeah. There are a few really good books on that topic. I'm sure there's many. I feel like the one term that's coming to mind, it's going to sound silly, is like the monkey brain. I don't know if that's the name of the book. Yeah. There's monkey brain, reptilian brain. Exactly. To me, I simplified. It's all the ego. It's all that human form. It's human versus soul almost. I like it. That is a whole other conversation, Carly, that I'm, I'd be very happy to go down, but we can go grab coffee. Are you going to Expo East? I am. Yeah. Maybe we'll chat in New York. Perfect. If we can find the time, I'm sure your schedule is going to be fully loaded. We'll find some time. Tell me about what's a, I'll narrow it down to one difficult experience or challenge you've had personally in the last couple of years. I mean, I feel like a lot of times it's kind of tied to COVID, but maybe not tied to COVID if you can, like something else, whether it's with your business, whether it's with something else Mm -hmm. that's come regarding your professional career. Can you tell them a podcast or I stumble on my words? (laughs) Yeah, I think it will always be staffing. Mm. It will always be staffing because There comes time where you, the owner, the leader, you have to make the tough decisions and you're not ever going to have all of the information. So the decision may be that you have to like, for example, let a team member go. Hmm. And that is really, really heavy and hard. And it almost feels like mom guilt. Like it Hmm. feels really similar to me. And realizing that sometimes the piece I play in someone's puzzle is not their savior, but maybe I have to be part of their rock bottom too. That's very uncomfortable because you always hear the stories of, oh, I was let go from my job and it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me because I went on to this new career that I love. I realized that sometimes that is the most loving piece. Like this is just not a good fit. This is not good for either one of us. We have to part ways in the most loving way possible, but that is always going to be a very hard conversation for me to have. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But that's a good perspective to have in the sense that you actually might be helping that person get to a better place. That was uh, a hard pill for me to swallow. Exactly. Cause I just want to help everyone. Right. Like, Ah, if I could just help, like, I know, but you have more staff than I do. So you are dealing with it on a different level. Well, how much staff do you have? You said dozens. What's the number? No, I think we're at around a dozen, a little over a dozen right now. Obviously I see the potential for that to almost double this year. So I don't know, around a dozen. That's huge Mm -hmm. growth. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I like to end every podcast with two, the same two questions for every guest. But before I do that, we're going to go back to contact info. Just quickly repeat that for me, if you wouldn't mind, just so everybody knows where to find you. Yeah. Instagram is I care on the square, the clear experience, Dr. Rose talks all spelled out and forward focus accelerators. 
The, uh, was forward, it the fourth or fourth? No, forward focused accelerator. Got it. No articles, no plurals. Okay. And my email is Dr. Rose, not spelled out. So D R R O S E at icareonthesquare.com. Gotcha. And then TikTok is Dr. Rose. Awesome. I really did. I apologize. We didn't get a chance to talk too much about the clear experience because I think it's amazing what you've done. I mean, we could take a couple of minutes, but what you've designed, the aesthetic of the place, color scheme, is that where you are right now? Because it yeah. feels like that. you got the gold and the dark green kind of, I'm down for that dark green. It's very rich and like luxurious looking. I love that. So great job with that. Thank I'm excited you. to see that continuing to grow and I'm excited to learn from you. I'm going to be part of your accelerator. If you're interested in being part of the accelerator, people who are listening and watching, make sure you contact. No, I feel like, no you know, like two people first think my first name is Rose and, yeah. and I answer to it. It's fine. That's fine. I heard somewhere that people with two first names are crazy. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> lines up. Lines, lines up. up. Yep. There is a reason I went to an, a whole ayahuasca retreat. <laughs> yeah, you got to have at least one screw loose. But make sure you connect with Carly. Honestly, just from feels like limited interactions that we've had. It's been amazing and positive and really love what you're putting out there. So Carly, to two final questions I ask every guest. Are you ready? Number one, if we could step in a time machine okay. and go back to a point in your life that was particularly difficult time, feel free. If you'd like to share that moment, you can. But if not, okay. most importantly, I'd like you to tell okay. me, what would you tell yourself now if you could go back to that moment at whatever age you were, what would you tell younger Carly at that time? Okay, I got it. I got it. I did not have an easy childhood. So I could say the first 25 years of my life were very difficult. And I've had a lot of conversations. My mom passed away a few years ago. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. You're Thank you. You're going to get a bigger answer, I think. <sighs> you want my life story? I'll write a book. The entire answer. Okay. So... First 25 years, really, really rough. And my mother passed away and my dad and I have had a lot of great deep conversations since then. And he, there a few months ago, he was at my house and we were just kicking it. And he was like, I said something like, wouldn't mom just die if she could see what everything we're doing right now, right? And he got pretty sentimental in saying how he has a lot of regrets and he wishes he could have done things differently with our existence. I have two sisters, our childhood. And I was like, no, 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 no. That was my biggest learning lesson. And I am so grateful for that quarter of a century of class. Like class was in session for 25 mm. years for me. I guess it was kind of like, give it to me life. I can take it. I want to learn is what it must have been. Because I remember being in optometry school and kind of looking around like no one here knows how to cope with like life. Mm -hmm. Whoa. And it kind of is that comfort thing, right? I'm very, I think my normal is being uncomfortable, right? So I don't know what it feels like to be comfortable calm, stable, safe. And so I just sat back and thought, oh my gosh, I have so many skills and assets because of my negative experiences, my opportunities. And I am so much more equipped than a lot of people to handle just about anything. I have yet to experience something that I felt was insurmountable. Wow. And so there's nothing I would change about it. I would just tell myself, like, have gratitude for this because you will see the value one day. That's a fantastic message. It's good. I think probably one that many people could benefit from hearing when they're younger or going through a tough time is like, this is somehow going to make you better later on, right? And it sounds so hard to say when it feels like you're almost invalidating the victim's experience, but it's not like that. Like this is genuinely, I am genuinely grateful for it. So release the anger and realize the blessing. Amazing message. Thank you for sharing that, Carly. I appreciate that. I know it's not mm -hmm. always easy to share kind of things that were difficult in the past, but that's very kind. And, and I think that's going to help a lot of people who are listening. Mm -hmm. So the final question is everything that you've accomplished to this point, how much of it would you say is due to luck and how much mm -hmm. is due to hard work? Um, I think we create our luck. I think everyone has probably a similar amount of luck. Luck is a piece that I do not undervalue. In fact, I think it's the magic piece and it's the piece for all of the greatness, but there's a way to tap into it. And I think it just comes back to listening to that inspiration. I think if you follow the inspiration, you'll find luck. Mm. So a vast majority of it's luck. 
and coincidence and divine intervention. Very interesting. That is a different answer than what most people will give me. And I love it. That's fantastic. Okay. So what do most people give you? Well, most people will say it's like 99% hard work, which of course you can't take out the hard work. You didn't just sit in a room and like wait for something to happen and become who you are. You worked at it, but very cool. And I have to say the reason I find that answer so intriguing is because I think in a very similar vein in that a lot of people call it luck. I don't really personally like the word luck, but it is divine intervention. It's the universe kind of giving you the opportunities and conspiring in your support, Mm, working for you. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Very good. And so I will button it up with this. I think the end result is my hard work. The what is my hard work. The how is the luck. Well, then I have to ask you then. Thank you. Oh my God. Now the guy's name is escaping me. I have to ask you your why now. You, you told me your what Simon Sinek. Simon, Simon Sinek. Tell me your why if you have it, if you have an answer. My why. Okay. It is ever changing because as this thing grows, my why must grow. I think my why started with changing my storyline, controlling my future, changing my future. If I allowed my future to happen to me, it would not have been what I knew I deserved. Okay. So the first why was changing my future. And then I realized that was almost so easy and achievable. Like if I can do it, anyone can do it. If I can go from here to here, like really, if I could go from where I started to where I am now, then I can do anything. Hmm. So now the why is how can I make my effect on humanity, a positive effect on humanity. Like let's change the game. We don't complain about what's going on in the world anymore. We do something about it. That's a great perspective to have and a great why to leave a better mark on the universe, make the universe of the world better place. Thank you so much, Carly. Any other like last couple of words, final words you want to share here before we wrap up? I am so grateful that you had me on to chat about this. See, this could open so many more doors in the future that we don't even know. We don't even know what's coming for us. It's super exciting. 100%. So I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Honestly, it it is my pleasure to have you on. This one conversation has led me to like five other conversations that I want to have with you. So maybe we'll have you back on sometime and we'll go through some more of it. But thank you again, Carly. Really appreciate it. Thanks for everything that you're doing for inspiring, you know, the rest of us kind of showing us the opportunities and possibilities within the industry, leading the way in that regard. So thanks for all of that. Thank you, everybody who's tuned in and you're watching or listening, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, wherever you are. Thank you so much. Make sure you give Carly a shout. Let her know that you are listening. Throw up a screenshot on Instagram or something and tag us. And of course, make sure you leave a review and let me know what you think. Take care, guys. I'll see you guys in the next episode. 